So let me ask you, do you move well, eat well, and sleep well? Do you feel that modern medicine is looking out for your best interest? Do you know how to take care of your body so you can stay pain-free and in the activities you love? Do you know what options you have? If not, that's a problem, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Trevor Folker, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project Podcast. The Green Bay Health Project Podcast is sponsored by Movement Performance and Rehabilitation, where we help the athletes and active adults move better, perform better, stay pain-free, and in the sports and activities that they love. We do this by focusing on their movements and optimizing their mobility and strength. We believe that your body is your greatest tool, and when you take care of it, you can move better, you feel better, and you thrive. So head to movement-rehab.com, that's mvmt-rehab.com, to learn how we can help you stay active and pain-free. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project podcast. And today I'm joined by Travis Luke, a personal trainer at MindRight Performance in Ashwaubenon. Um, Travis has a strong passion for working with youth athletes and helping them improve their performance, mental toughness, and durability. Um, I've personally seen him working with them and can also add to the rapport that he builds with the athletes that he works with. So Travis, thanks for taking some time out of your day um, to talk with me. Yeah, thanks for having for me. Sure. So, you know, I always like to start, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, your background story and tell us how Travis the trainer came to be. Uh, so one of the uh, old coaches that used to work at MindRight, he worked at a facility I trained at in high school. And so uh, when I was in college, I guess I kind of thought that this would be an interest of mine. I was just a huge nerd for the science of training. And I liked how the lessons you learn kind of carry over into life and stuff. So I guess I just reached out to uh, him and asked about interning there. And I liked working at MindRight so much. I like what Chase does with his people there that I just wanted to keep working there. If I remember correctly, have you, you so what, what certifications have you done? What's kind of the process been for uh, your schooling and um, where are we at with all of that? And sport management, which is kind of the like the business and the legal side of sports. So because I originally wanted to do something in marketing. So once I was kind of halfway through that degree, mm-hmm. I decided to pursue this career. So my formal education has been the performance enhancement specialization, corrective exercise, uh, some continuing education, mental toughness, and then a handful of uh, like the athletic training, physical therapy, exercise science classes at Clark. Okay, awesome. What's a lot of people aren't necessarily familiar with the mental toughness aspect. So now that you brought that up, what is what are those courses like, and what is that? How does that apply to what you're doing with your personal training clients? So a lot of it talks about things like your concentration, um, coping with anxiety and pressure and stuff like that, and then the stuff that the other part of it is how a coach can help with that kind of stuff with athletes like when i work with athletes i'm not real authoritative because there's a lot of research and in my own experience yelling at someone for making a mistake which is kind of what training is about is doing things you're bad at creates more pressure and anxiety and that ends up leading to more mistakes happening so 
I kind of want them to feel, I guess, comfortable. I don't know if that's the right word or not. I want them to feel okay with the fact that they're going to be bad at stuff. They're not going to start with a perfect squad, and they're not going to learn the Olympic lifts properly within the first couple of days. Yeah. Well, that's huge. I think people need to understand that there's going to be failure. I mean, that's the whole point of going through some of the process and the steps. Yeah. Um, so when someone comes to work with you, what are what's the process? How do you... Because I... I had kind of mentioned the rapport that you build um and before we get into any of the other things i want to give people a pretty clear picture on how you work with them so if say you have a new uh youth athlete that's coming in to mm -hmm. start a training program what does that look like what kind of stuff do you run them through first do you do any like pre and post test stuff um form checks etc so yeah i guess the form check i'm big on uh, movement quality i think that the best way to like translate your like the strength and stuff you're gaining in here is you have to be able to move effectively in order for it to carry over into your sport if that makes sense mm -hmm. so what i kind of look at is i'll just do some basic movements right squat hinge press and pull the foundational stuff and see how well they can do that and then I'll kind of mix up the elements too. Like I'll see how they do with stability kind of exercises and power and things like that. Okay. And is there, does it matter what sport they're in or do they all need to, do all youth athletes need to know how to do that, that stuff? Yeah, that, like, I mean, that's why I start with. Athlete. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. That's why I start with those squatting and hinging and pressing and pulling because that's stuff that every athlete, no matter what age, needs to have in their program and that's the stuff that's going to provide the most bang for your buck mm -hmm. yeah no and that's good and you know i need I, I fully intend on getting chase on here because mind right they uh he's they do things the right way and it's all about like you said it's it's about training the patterns making sure that you do things properly um and then slowly start to build and i think that's one of the most important things people need to know um, when working with you or or going to um, a place like MindRight because they need to know things are being done the right way. Because if you think about it, you know, nowadays, a lot of people are trying to have their kids focus on one sport. And that's why I wanted to bring that up with you because I don't know, you work with all different kinds of youth athletes uh, mm -hmm. with their strength training programming. Um, so it's important that everybody knows that regardless of the sport you're in, um, you need to know how to do the fundamentals and the basics first. But one thing I wanted to talk with you about was that topic of youth sports specialization. What are your uh, feelings about that? Um, where do I begin? Um, so yeah, I'm not, for, specialization. I'm not for one bit. What's that? Go ahead. I was just going to say specialization, meaning... Um, a youth athlete only participates in one sport for it's usually year round so it's not multiple mm. sports it's just one sport year round okay go ahead now so i'm not about it one bit um i get where people come from like common sense would say if some practice is good more must be better but when it comes to the body especially a growing kid that couldn't be further from the truth right they have to the youth stages are meant to build a foundation like we were talking about of the 
basic stuff. They need to learn how to do the simple things well before they start worrying about focusing on, I'm going to play this one position at this one sport for the rest of my career. Yeah. I, you know, I agree with you there. And you probably deal with this as well. You talk with a lot of coaches and parents and there's a lot of pressure out there on the kids to um, really be good and do and perform at a high level day in and day out in one particular sport. And like you said, there is this thing where more practice or the belief that more practice in one area is better than becoming good in in different areas. Um, So if somebody were to ask you about specializing, uh, how would you educate them or what, what would be some of the things that you would talk with them about? So I guess if we were to, I don't think dumb is the right word, but if I'm just going to use that. If we were to dumb specialization down into one sentence, it should be that the athletes should be working on things that they're not already getting. So if, for example, when I was a junior in high school, our quarterback, he could throw a really good deep ball. And I attribute that a lot to, like, he played baseball, basketball in the offseason. So he wasn't just only throwing a football year-round, right? That's a example. Um, I think another example is I have a couple kids right now who are progressing in their strength training stuff really fast. And their hobbies outside of their sports all sorts of like boating and skiing and stuff like that. Those kids are always staying active, doing something different outside of their sports year round are the ones who are progressing and developing the fastest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you, when you look at some of the studies that are out there, I mean, just to throw numbers, we're both research people. We like reading it. Um, You know, there's some studies that show, I think one was 1200 kids, um, 30% specialized. And another one found that 54% were encouraged to specialize um, and a lot with a lot of the driving factors being, you know, college scholarships or making to the pros. And those numbers just start to dwindle the further down you get. And in my opinion, like it sounds like you agree with that, you know, specializing almost has more risk than reward um, until that sophomore junior year of high school where you know if you actually have a shot at a, a D1 type scholarship um, and your your body is definitely more adapted and can handle that load a little bit differently. Whereas there's a lot of crossover, especially with the youth athletes, there's a lot of crossover between sports. And I know you're familiar with that too. So once one, you kind of alluded to it, uh, football and baseball, obviously very similar in the throwing patterns, um, but it, baseball, you, you really have to work on more technical skills. It's like vision stuff where football, you're, you're scrambling, you're running, it's a little bit different, but you can't tell me that that visual work you get in baseball doesn't come over to football. And same thing, we can keep talking about sports like that. I mean, you look at soccer and basketball, you get more agility, it makes you quicker on the court. And I think if you look at it that way, being more diversified not only reduces the risk of injury mm-hmm. or burnout, but it also makes you better at the sport you want to be in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of piggybacking on the football example again. I know the other sport I brought up was basketball. A lot of people don't think about the cognitive skills required uh, to play a sport like basketball. The shoot, a shooting motion is way different than a throwing motion. However, the act of trying to get a ball to go up in the air 
come down in a precise spot does carry over well into football when you're trying to like throw a deep ball or something. Yeah, and I just, from my perspective, I mean, we deal with a lot of injuries and rehab and stuff like that, and you just see there's a higher risk just because of the burnout and you're overloading the same tissue day in and day out, and that is never ideal. That's not something you want to do. Not at all. <laughs> no, and um, so what are so if somebody came to you and they are multi-sport uh which mm-hmm. is which is good how would would that change the training process or the programming that you develop for them unfortunately i can't give you a straight answer for that question because that would depend uh, on uh, their age and stuff like that so say it's a young athlete like let's say they're in middle school their programming would all look almost identical right maybe i'd focus a little bit on fixing some movement impairments they have but all the big stuff is going to be the same they all need to learn the olympic lifts like i said before squatting and hinging are huge being able to press overhead and horizontally and the same thing with pulling okay and you know but i thought youth weightlifting was bad i thought there was risk i thought that was dangerous so i mean i know you work with a lot of uh, youth athletes, high school aged athletes, and I thought weightlifting was bad for them. Or isn't that kind of word on the street? Not at all. I think it's probably worse for them not to lift. Yeah, and why, at, why is that? Like when you look at, we were talking about injury prevention before with the specialization stuff, the number one reducing factor of injuries is strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. The stats, again, going back to stats, research, and all of that, it actually shows a very low risk of injury when it comes to youth athletes, um, which is attributed to working with good coaches like yourself. Um, And, I mean, the injury rates are just for youth athletes participating in sports like rugby or soccer. I mean, think of football and hockey are actually much higher than just strength training or weightlifting. And... I think the important cue right there, the important word is working with good coaches. Um, Can you talk about that and how you, how closely you look at the form? We've talked about it a little bit, you've alluded to it, but certain things you screen for and then how you correct that. Because I know I've been in there when you've been working with some of them, I've seen it, but I think that's a really important point to get across is that it needs to be watched and people can't or youth athletes just can't be going throwing around heavy weight with mm-hmm. shitty terrible form i mean so how do you uh how do you kind of gauge that and then correct that or so make parents feel comfortable with their kids getting into strength training right so to start out because that was a point i was going to get to to get the kind of the buying of parents um but so from the form piece there's a lot of different reasons someone can have bad form like sometimes you can't just throw a cue their way and it's going to get fixed so with young athletes a lot of their issues is motor control right they don't know how to properly use their limbs and everything yet so like this summer i had a i think it was going on nine year old that i worked with and so just 45 minute sessions something light twice a week just to get them used to training and stuff and so what i do with him was like the first half hour was speed agility plyometrics reactive training and then the last 15 minutes he'd do 
some sort of stuff with a TRX or med ball to practice uh, some of the foundational patterns I've repeated so many times over and over the squat, hinge, press and pull, get them to learn how to do that stuff. And then eventually we did progress them in to doing stuff with like barbells and dumbbells, lifting a little bit on the heavier side once he showed me that he had the basic overview of those movement patterns down. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's real good. I mean, I know we keep talking about those um, initial patterns, but it's so important. You have yeah. to have the basics mm-hmm. and the fundamentals down because they cross over. I mean, if you think about the hockey skate, they're really in kind of a hinge position and they should be loading the quads and the glutes. When you jump, you hinge first to load the quads, glutes. Same things with baseball. And I mean, there's so many different sports where you're squatting, you're hinging, and people don't really think about that because they don't realize how many times they go through those patterns throughout the day so it's super important that they have coaches helping them through that especially at such a young age um you know another thing i commonly hear is parents are worried about kids injuring their growth plates with uh strength training have you ever gotten one of those ones i have not had that objection yet but again i can tell you it's the opposite that lifting weights i think a lot of people don't think about things like the nervous system connective tissue bones when you lift weights Mm -hmm. without going into too much jargon and nerd speak here go for it if you want to be nerd speak (laughs) i'm all for it let's do it (laughs) go ahead but a lot of the resistance training and stuff is also going to help um indirectly strengthen the tendon that's connecting the muscle to the bone and then the bone that's the bones that are being moved throughout the left yeah i mean for average like normal bone formation it has to be loaded you it it, get, it gets used to some of those um big stressors and it just builds off of that um and i think throwing some more numbers out i think the big concern parents sometimes have is they hear that growth plate and they go to dr google and they see something like maturing bones are I don't know, two to five times weaker um, than surrounding tissue kind of in the, so like then the adult. So that means an ankle sprain in an adult could kind of have a fracture in a child. Um, But barbell training is not one of the leading causes of growth plate injuries. I mean, we can look at the sports that we mentioned before. And, you know, I haven't come across a study that has actually attributed a growth plate a growth plate injury to youth while lifting again when proper supervision and technique are provided so the biggest thing that people need to take away from this is to work with you because you do you do it right and supervision is probably the most important thing yeah yeah 100% um yeah especially when they're just in those initial learning phases you don't want them Going unsupervised, I'm sure you've heard this saying as is anyone else listening many times that practice makes perfect, which again is kind of a myth. Perfect practice is what makes perfect. If you practice a bad habit, you're only reinforcing it further by not having someone there to correct them on it. Yeah, I I think in my personal opinion, poor supervision, poor form and bad training loads are probably the three top factors and unfortunately or fortunately that can all be mitigated and actually completely a non-issue by working with 
a coach with with a good coach that knows how to look for that um and you kind of mentioned cues uh which again cues are good but you can only cue so much they have to learn they have to know the pattern themselves um and i think the uh the benefit to having them work with you you said trx stuff just to get the feel of the pattern before they load um is probably the most important part so what are some of the benefits then if we kind of busted that myth that youth training is not bad youth strength training is not bad what are the benefits so like i was talking about before we were talking about the bone strengthening and the connective tissue is one people don't really think of the nervous system when you're doing those compound movements like squatting and the Olympic lifts, there's a big coordination piece to that, right? There's a lot of timing involved in learning how to properly rise from a squat or learning how to get under a clean and whatnot. And so that coordination part is going to help them able to pick up on new motor skills, more complex ones in their sports or in the weight room if you want to add a little more complexity to the movements there. Yeah. And I, so how does, how does something like that? So you're big into Olympic lifts. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm getting, right? You're big into the Olympic lifts, the cleans, Absolutely. the deads, the squats. So how does that then um, cross over to athletics, to sport? Well, so like the Olympic lifts, like a clean or a snatch and a jerk, or what's known as a triple extension, right? You're pushing, you're driving through your hip, knee and ankle. Mm-hmm. What about when you're jumping or sprinting? What are you doing with those joints? Mm-hmm. Same thing with squatting. When you're sitting all the way back, bending at those joints, how often are you bending at your hip, knee, and ankle in sport and in life? Yeah, it's, and that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say because it's, it's just so applicable. And the other side, you kind of alluded to mental toughness. Now, can you talk about I think one of the biggest benefits to youths, um, youth uh, weightlifting is the confidence, the self-esteem that they start to get. Uh, and so I, I, don't th- I think that's overlooked a lot because people feel stronger, especially when they are growing up. Self-esteem is, is huge. So what have you seen when working with those youth athletes where when they finally maybe hit uh, a PR in weight or they hit their first even just something basic like hey you're struggling with that hip hinge for a couple of weeks but now you just did it and see how that feels differently like what what are their reactions and how does that help them that's probably one of my favorite part of my favorite parts of my job sorry I can't talk today is seeing them overcome those milestones or hit those milestones uh, a lot of like how we were talking about movement quality, a lot of the athlete's sense of pride comes from being able to start squatting deeper than they could before, or they could actually start getting their elbows up all the way when they're catching a clean. And then, yeah, the weight part is definitely huge when they're able to move maybe a weight that they struggled with four weeks ago is now starting to feel pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then how does... I mean, so obviously that's a big confidence booster mm-hmm. for them in the weight room. Um, and then we usually with confidence, they have improved or increased just personal self-esteem. And we know that that's just going to carry over 
into life as a whole, right? Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, that, and I think that's where the biggest benefit comes from, you know, working with a good coach, but now if they are starting to feel stronger, they're going to start feeling more confident. They're going to have better self-esteem, which is going to carry over not only to athletics and their sport, but it's going to carry over into life. And I mean, you and I, I mean, I'm in my thirties, you're in your twenties. We've kind of gone through that awkward growing up stage. And I think had I gotten into some of this, I mean, we both played sports, but I think had I gotten into some weightlifting and felt more confident just on my, um, my strength and my ability in the weight room, I think that would have carried over big time into the sports I was in. I don't know what age you started weightlifting, but would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. So I guess it's like the, the sense of accomplishment that you start out, like your form's ugly, you're maybe not lifting that heavy of weight. And then progressively over time when you stick with it and you get to actually visibly see the results of uh, your squat feels a lot better there's a lot more weight on the bar as well and that those visible results help show you that when you put in the work and you stay consistent with something if that's kind of what you were alluding to no you just hit it spot on i think the consistency of it is the big one of the biggest parts i feel like i've said that there's a lot of big parts but you have to be consistent you can't train hard one day and then do that once a week and think you're going to see um a ton of improvements i mean obviously you'll see some especially in the younger age because they're growing we can get into the nerve and response and all that but we won't like you had said we don't want to nerd out too much but um i think can you talk about the consistency how often would you recommend how many times a week for how long of a duration would you recommend uh those youth athletes um strength training i mean personally i'd say ideally three times a week right when they first start out they're definitely going to be very sore and so that day of recovery between they can go practice a sport or something like that and then you can kind of alternate those days of one day is strength training, physical development stuff. Then the next day might be working on a sport or going to do some physical activities with your friends outside of the structured training that kind of adds to, helps add, make the um, development process a little more fun, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. What about the recovery? Because I'm sure some people will say, well, if they strength train and then they go to practice, uh, if they strength train three days a week and then they practice Monday through Friday, um, what should the recovery look like? What can they do to mitigate some of that soreness or be ready to uh, go back to practice without feeling that fatigue? So first thing, sleep's the most important. I mean, there's all different guidelines out there for different ages. Some people say seven to nine. Some people say eight to ten. It kind of depends on the age and whatnot. So but just making sure the kid's going to bed on time, waking up at the same time every morning is huge. And then making sure they're eating a lot. One thing I've noticed with the kids I have is a lot of them struggle to eat a lot just because when they have free time, they're always on the go, always doing something. And so they don't necessarily take care of that piece as well as they should. And then hydration. So just sticking with the fundamentals, sleep, eating, drinking. 
Yeah, you hit it spot on. I think a lot of people focus on either the strength and the performance part, but they severely neglect the sleep and the nutrition and the hydration. And that's just not good. <laughs> that is not good um, for anything, um, especially sleep. Kids growing, they need that sleep. But they also need to eat, um, especially when they're adding weight training on top of activity. So if somebody were to ask for recommendations on the best kind of food nutrition regimen, mm-hmm. do you have one for that age? Is there, have you ever been asked that question or what would you be general guidelines? Like I've been kind of asked, do you think that eating this will be good for me and stuff? And so when you're a kid and when you're eating, honestly, as long as you're eating enough, like when you're that young, calories are just calories in my opinion making sure that they're getting some source of protein with every meal is huge making sure that you're eating before and after your workout so you have energy and you can replenish the energy after you burn it off but in terms of like a specific food i think the best foods for a young athlete to eat are the ones that they're gonna eat (laughs) yeah yeah make make sure uh my parents used to not let me leave the kitchen table until all my food was gone it was like a you ain't leaving man and i always wanted my night nighttime ice cream and i couldn't eat that ice cream (laughs) unless i unless i finished everything that was on my plate so it was like it's kind of that reward too it's like hey you can eat this but only if you eat this or that i think you got to play with play with some of that stuff i mean i'm not a parent i can't say that i got two dogs and our little our little dog if she doesn't eat her dinner guess what she ain't getting her nighttime treat <laughs> but um i just think that's huge i think that's huge just just eat um a lot of kids are when they grow up i still get hangry i'm a lot of people get hangry and just recovery in general is super important so if you are strength training you are practicing you absolutely have to hit that recovery side um is there anything else you have to add to that or anything else to talk about no, I mean, I think that we hit everything that I can think of for the most part. I guess just have a variety of activities for kids. Make sure they're eating, drinking, sleeping. Just focus on the fundamentals. Awesome. Awesome. Well, then I have a few questions for you. Um, the first one, and I know you are a big reader. Yeah, so what is, I'm going to narrow this down. What is one of your favorite health-related books? I know you read a ton of all kinds of different um, variety of books, but one health-related book that you would recommend or one of your favorites? So this one, I guess it's kind of indirectly health-related. It's called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. Have you ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of that one. I guess it's kind of about like modifying behaviors and stuff like that. And so one thing I've learned through coaching is you're not dealing with weights. You're not dealing with food or sleep or eating. You're dealing with humans behavior toward that stuff so it kind of teaches you how to set yourself up for success on the behavior side of those kind of things so that's probably my favorite yeah so is that more of like a psychology of human behavior how to act mm-hmm. around or what's that what's yeah that it's like kind of the psychology behind habits how to develop better ones or unstick horrible ones mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that's actually a really interesting point i've had somebody else on here where we talked a little bit about habit forming um that's incredibly important especially if 
for it's for anyone to do but i think young kids respond very well to routine so how would they go about developing good habits what are some of the things that they can take away from that i think the biggest the most important point in that book was uh, tweak the environment so you want to set them up for an environment that's going to allow them to build the better habits so like food keep some stuff that the kids like around the house that they're going to want to eat and kind of mix that with their veggies and the stuff they might not want to eat kind of add that compromise and make it easier for them to stick to those good habits make it harder for them to avoid the bad ones Mm -hmm. i'm pretty into habit stacking so keep one like you you form especially if you want to form a new habit what can you do right before that that then turns into a routine that makes you want to do the next thing? So, um, like, for example, for working out, I've tried pre-workout, I've tried coffee before workout, and for me personally, I, I do use some pre-workout, but I know that if I take that, the likelihood of me following through with, with my workout is very high compared to if I don't. Um, and, you know, pre-workout's a whole entirely different conversation. <laughs> yeah, totally different <laughs> but, than coffee. <laughs> yeah but i think if you can find things that they enjoy doing do that mm-hmm. say hey you're gonna do this and then they go right to strength training and then they come home and eat like those are three big habits that pile off of one another so if you can if you if you want your youth to get into better routines just stockpile a few things that they really enjoy doing mm-hmm. throw some strength training in the middle of it and then come home they eat right after which you know is pretty good for them to do in, in terms of recovery I think that'd be a great way to attack it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that there just has to be some sort of a a cue that'll kind of remind you or trigger that, oh yeah, I got to eat when I'm done or I have to go lift weights now and stuff like that. Yeah. And the earlier that starts and the earlier they see the benefit in that and start to feel the, how, how good that feels and get into routine, that's just going to help them later on in life as well. Um, so the second question I have for you is what's your favorite health related activity to do in the Green Bay area? Well, it'd be boring if I just said lifting weights cause that's kind of obvious. <laughs> so, um, during the summertime, I actually really enjoy going frisbee golfing with my friends. I'm pretty bad at it though. I've lost a lot of discs in the water <laughs> or yeah. playing catch at Tidal Town. Okay. On the turf field there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty cool area. We... I've gone there a few times, um, and it's just fun to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're right out. Your backdrop is Lambeau Field, and you know there's nothing better than Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool area that they're building around there. Um, and you know that's something I think I forget is there half the time. So that's a great that's a great thing to do. Um, and finally, what's one piece of advice that you would give? Um, and this can be to parents, to youth athletes, or to just people in general to kind of help them take back control of their health and which in turn gives them really, I mean, gives them back control of their life. So the biggest thing I know, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this episode was, uh, work on things that you're not already doing. It's like if an athlete's already throwing in one of their sports, maybe they want to go from baseball to basketball where they're doing a little bit different it requires a little bit of a different tempo and motor skills and stuff like that then make sure the activities you're doing present a challenge to you you don't want them to be too easy you're not going to get anything out of them so just work hard yeah work hard and get a variety 
Awesome. That's that's good stuff. So where can people go to follow you or get in contact with you? Do you have any social pages, any specific email address, phone number? What do you want to, where can they go? Yeah, you can look up Travis Luke, L-E-U-C-K on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And then I also have a training related page on Instagram called Travis the Trainer GB with underscores between all the spaces. Between every, so Travis. Between every word. Okay, between every word. Perfect. And that is that on uh, Instagram and Facebook as well? On all socials? Yeah. Okay. So that, let's, so if you got something, uh, I mean, what do you throw up on your Instagram? Real quick plug for that. Like what kind of posts? I know what you're throwing up. Can they, uh, they get some of that form stuff, some of the workouts? Oh, yeah. I like to post like videos of like kind of exercise references like here's an idea for something to try out or some sort of tips like you should have these pieces in your program and stuff like that yeah and then i think the other side is you can tell that you're passionate about the mental side of it because you've always got some kind of quote going up there as well and i think i think that is overlooked too much um when it comes to people in general there's there's always the mental side of there's always gonna be mental hurdles and one of my favorite books is the obstacle is the way and you just kind of lean in and and go after it. So Travis, I just want to say thanks for the time. Um, I think we definitely broke some myths or I hope we broke some myths and spread some good awareness on uh, youth athletes weightlifting and maybe getting more diversified in their approach. Um, So thanks for taking some time out. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. For sure. And as always, guys, thanks for listening to the Green Bay Health Project podcast and we will talk with you soon. If you would like more information about one of our guests or us at Movement Performance and Rehabilitation, just send us an email at info at mvmt-rehab.com. That's info at movement-rehab.com.